Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana State, Jeff Choate's first year. And John Walker had been a starter at Colorado for multiple years. I think he started 19 games. He, he just didn't really like where the program was headed. He liked what Jeff Choate was selling. But I remember after, he, he quote-unquote shut down Emmanuel Butler. Eight catches, 78 yards, no touchdowns. That was when Emmanuel Butler was at his absolute peak. Right. And he hadn't gotten hurt yet. And I remember talking to John Walker. He's like, yeah, man, like there's no receivers like that in the Pac-12. Okay. I mean, your point is well taken because take the six best receivers in the big sky out, and those guys would all be good players in the Pac-12, certainly. Right. And a couple of them would be elite players in the Pac-12. Take those guys out, and everybody else is way faster and way better. I totally agree with that. And, and you'll find counter, but even like a guy like, I mean, who, who's the best wide receiver in the history of the big sky conference? Cooper Cup. He's not nearly as fast as most of the guys in the Pac-12. He's plenty fast. Sure. He's great in a whole bunch of other ways that make him an elite receiver at every level. Obviously, an, an NFL, you know, I mean, I don't. I guess he hasn't been in a Pro Bowl yet, but he will. And, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a thousand-yard receiver in the league last exactly. year. Exactly. So, I mean, this he's he's the best that's ever been. But, again, I'm simply talking about from a speed standpoint because sure. the presumption is if you play safety – you aren't as fast as the corners are. That's not certainly always the truth. I mean, Earl Thomas, right? I mean, he's he's the fastest, one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Sure. He's in safety. Sure. So I understand that. But what I'm saying is, if you're talking about guys who have been primarily roving around in center field, who are now being asked to cover the quote-unquote skill guys on the outside, two drop-downs from the Pac-12, you would think would be capable, from an athletic standpoint, of doing that. I totally agree. I also think that, dare I say, speed is overrated. No. It, 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 follow no. me here. Follow me here, though. None of the fastest receivers in the history of the league, with the exception of a handful of guys, have been the best receivers. Spatial awareness, route running, body control, aggressiveness, competitiveness are all more important. Most of the best receivers in the history of the league, if you were to go mm-hmm. through top catches, are what we would consider slow. The, the, the reason, to me, that that's the case is because the guys covering in the NFL – mitigate the speed because they are so fast themselves so right, you have I, to be able to do it in other ways uh, at that level 
Right. All I'm saying is speed helps you if you got the skill, but you got to have the skill. Uh, so to me, it comes down to it does not matter if Trajan Cotton or Irma Hicks Onu can beat all the other Montana corners in a race. It matters if they can flip their hips faster. Correct. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, the fastest corner in Grizz history, and people will think this is crazy of me to say this, the fastest corner in the Mont- University of Montana history, absolutely no question, is Donnie Lasowski. Most people are probably saying, who's that? Because Donnie played a little bit of nickel by the time he was a senior, and that's it. But he's a kid out of O'Day High School. He played with my brother for several years. Same class as Tremaine Johnson. He blew Tremaine out of the water during the 40 at the pro day. He's not Tremaine Johnson. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I, I, it's all relative, right? Because if you run a sub-4-6, you're f- so fast. Yes, you are. And so the difference between sub-4-6 and sub-4-4, then you can make up with footwork and stuff like that. I guess what it comes down to, though, is in this scheme, how aggressive are you with your hands off the line of scrimmage? How much can you jam receivers, and what's your breaks like? How aggressive are you? How well can you tackle in space? Because in Montana's defense now, you're getting left out on an island. So even if these guys aren't crazy fast, they will be pretty fast. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, they play DB in the Pac-12. But even if they're not crazy fast, I think that's okay because you can make up for it with so many other attributes. And you do, like, you you have to be able to, in this defense especially, to cover in in basically a one-on-one or or a a little help or, you know, sharing half the field with only one safety scenario because they're trying to get after the quarterback so much. Right, and and, I mean, let's be actually real, too. Any corner at any level that can actually truly be left on an island for a whole season is going to win Defensive Player of the Year like Teron Johnson didn't get drafted in the fourth round by the Buffalo Bills. Like, If you could do it, there's only a couple guys that even come to mind. Tremaine Johnson, Xavier Coleman at Portland State a couple years ago, LaShawn Sims at Mm -hmm. at Southern Utah, and Teron Johnson at Weber State. I mean, all those guys were top 100 draft picks. Right. Because if you could do it, you could. if you are one of those special guys, you're one of the greatest in the world because no one can actually do it. No, I mean, the, the, the... it's it's riding a bull. No one can ride a bull, but some guys can ride it for eight seconds. Right, right, right. So right. if you could do that, then you're the greatest that there right. is. But when, what do we see, though? Justin Calhoun was one of the guys we talked about so much last year. Gave him so much credit for his competitiveness and also for playing completely out of position and still being able to hang. But also criticized him a little bit in terms of just his ability to actually do it at a completely elite level. That's all water under the bridge at this point, but I think that the one skill he was lacking was being able to truly beat you up off the line and disrupt the timing. Like we saw the, the Weber State game, for example. Ty McPherson had over 150 yards receiving going against Calhoun in that game. But part of that was because that's what they were giving up to ensure that Montana could hit Jay Constantine over and over and over and over again. If Cotton and Hicks Onu can, it it doesn't even really matter to me how many plays they make on the ball or really even how disruptive they are in coverage as much as if they can straight up just jam guys off the line, Mm -hmm. an extra second for the way that Montana runs their defense with all Mm -hmm. the crazy blitzes, that's going to be the key because that's the whole thing. They just want to light you up as much as they possibly can. Right. Sutel Nuwana is 1029 ESPN Radio. A couple other guys that we're looking for uh, and forward to uh, seeing that we were looking forward to seeing in spring and will be looking forward to seeing in the fall. I got another very local kid. How about Levi Janicaro, right out of Big Sky High School, who was an outstanding running back uh, for uh, Big Sky, really carried that team literally. Well, he's a quarterback and, <laughs> playing running back, and, basically, and, right? But, but ran the football and was a running back for Montana right. since he's come there. Also, now potentially flipping sides of the ball to play linebacker. I, I was... 
I really thought that he would find a way on the running back side. We understand, you know, with the emergence of Marcus Knight, what he was, what was it, 24 total touchdowns last year? It's still crazy, right, that he's, that we, Marcus Knight, nobody's ever scored more than 20 touchdowns and got talked about less than Marcus Knight, uh, it seems to be, this past season. But then, really, the emergence of Nick Ostmo as the number two and the Thunder sort of running back, which presumably Levi Janicaro would be, sort of the other guy in that race to to be that and whether you know what what they're seeing in that competition between Janicaro and Osmo and that that gives him the edge or what they see in him potentially as a linebacker that they say it's not that you can't run the ball but we want you over here obviously the loss of you know Dante maybe they need some depth or whatever it might be but will he be able to emerge on the defensive side of the ball something I'm looking into well, he's another guy where you just look at him and you're like, we got to find somewhere for that guy. Yes. Because he's a grown man. I mean, he, he's a grown man. He is very physically mature for being only in his third year in the program. And I think that if Janet Carroll got a chance, I think he would he could contribute at running back. I just don't know when he was going to get that chance because they were just going to continue to out-recruit him. And for whatever reason, they went with the fullbacks and then scrapped the fullbacks because now they just run the, the H tight end position, right? They run these multiple three tight end sets. And they do have guys, especially Bryson Deming and, and last year a lot, Joey Elwell, who line up in the backfield a little bit, go in motion and stuff. But the true hand-in-the-dirt fullback, that seemed to kind of go by the wayside. And they initially moved Trace Latexier, a kid from Boulder, who I really liked there. Vika Fatuese, they moved there. And Levi Janicaro, they started there. And none of those guys ever got on the field at that position. They would use them in practice, but they never used it in games. And I think a lot of it was just scheme. They didn't want to clog up running lanes for Dalton Steed. They wanted kind of to let him do his thing. But for whatever reason, they ended up moving Fatu Essay back to defense. Same with Latexier. And it was only a matter of time, in my mind, to try Janicaro defense. And so we'll see if he's a natural at it or not. He didn't play a ton of defense his senior year of high school because he was just the focal point linchpin quarterback. But he's a big, strong, tough kid, and I think he has a lot of upside. So I do. I think that's a really good one. Let me ask you a question broadly, sure. okay, before we get into more individual players. Do you think now going into year three with Bobby Houck and now going to have a new quarterback uh, who we, right now Cam Humphrey is the 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 you know the lead leader going into right well going into where we are now yeah. with spring being done yeah. Um, but do you think that there's going to be a significant change to scheme offensively as more and more perhaps tight end? We, th- we thought we would see more offensive pass-catching tight end play with with the group that was there last year. And they, they as a group, were somewhat productive, but that wasn't really the offense as such. It wasn't structured to do that. Do you think that there's going to be a, a significant shift, and if so, how, in the offense? Or do you think they're just going to go, hey, I think we got to – Got something rolling. We'll throw you know some wrinkles in here and there, but we're going to keep going and doing it the way that we've been doing it. It's a very interesting question because, first of all, I've been thinking about this a lot, and tell me what you think of this. I think that a lot of football fans consume statistics, individual statistics, twofold from an NFL perspective and from a video game perspective. I talk to coaches around the league, and they're always talking about how how much they emphasize throwing the ball to the tight ends, and they always talk about how involved they are in the game plan and how that's a huge point of emphasis and that how their tight ends are contributing at such a high level. And then you go look at the stats, and Montana's tight ends cumulatively caught 42 passes last year, right. which 
in a 14-game season is like two to three passes per game, a little less than three per game. So we're, which, which if it was one tight end, you go, right. okay, but it's three. There, there hasn't been a tight end that caught more than, an individual tight end that caught more than 40 passes in a season since Bo Sandlin did it at Montana State. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he only got 42 passes. Why wouldn't you throw that guy the ball? I mean, he's 6'6", 260. That's right. Uh, you know, getting drafted by the Carolina Panthers. But, I mean, even Charlie T, touchdown Charlie at Portland State, the best tight end in the league, a guy that might get drafted this year in the he, NFL he, draft. He, he went to the combine. Went to the combine, had yep. a great showing. And they throw the ball to the tight end as much as anybody. He had 36 catches for 474 yards and two touchdowns. So I guess my question for you is, I think that there's a break between what the common fan and the common analyst deems as productive for that position and what coaches think is productive. Because I really think if they, th- like Montana, Colin Bingham caught 19 passes, Bryson Demi caught 18 passes. I think they think that their tight ends were insanely productive last year. Yeah, I mean, there's two other ways that I know of to be great as a tight end, okay? The other one is the obvious one, which is blocking, right? Run blocking, pass blocking. If you can hold your water or even in the case of like a George Kittle, be a straight dominant blocker. right you are worth your weight in gold as a tight end. The other thing that you can do is occupy space in the pass game. If you are holding the eyes of defenders, if you are getting in the way, if you are being a giant, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 260 guy that is in the seam, that is freeing up things for other guys, then you're also doing your job. And, And it does seem like the actual use in terms of throwing the football to tight ends has been the total change of pace. It's it's almost it's almost like taking a deep shot where you don't really care whether it's completed or not. It's just to let guys know, let the other team know, yeah, we are we we have this in our game plan and we will do it. And the the forty two catches you talked about to the tight ends, it's probably not on more than sixty or sixty five pass attempts. I mean, it's not like they're actually even trying to throw them the ball a ton. They were effective when they used it. So to answer your question, I don't know the, the the answer as to why on a team like the University of Montana, I think part of the answer is, you know, to have to have Deming, to have Bingham, that's great as tight ends. You got to throw the ball to Samari Torre. You have to get Jerry exactly. Louis McGee involved. You have to get the ball to Sammy Akem. Exactly. Like those are the dudes that are the, right. the home run hitters. So they just take the lion's share as they should. And also, when you analyze it from an NFL perspective, tight ends are always going to have way... Premier tight ends are always going to have way bigger numbers. But why is that? There's several reasons. First of all, the top half a dozen to top 10 tight ends in the league are some of the best athletes in the world. For sure. But also, the hash marks are different in the NFL than in college. So the middle of the field is the only place that's open in the NFL. In college... You always want to go to the wide side of the field. And the tight end, he floods the middle to make the wide side open. And I think that's another way that some of these offensive play callers deem production. The tight end had a chance to be thrown to Mm. in this play. Mm -hmm. He might have gotten a catch. So we're using him in the pass game prevalently. I think that's actually a good way of saying it. That's why I'm so excited for it. So let's take a break because I think a tight end, uh, there's a couple of tight ends I want to talk about because I do think that Deming and Bingham were awesome, especially in the roles that they were put into. But I think uh, a flex, hyper-athletic tight end, like a Matt Rensfold, who you will tell us about next, 
could be even more key, especially when you pair him with guys like Sammy Kemp, Samari Torrey. It's Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We will continue this conversation right after this. Carl Tyler Chevrolet, locally owned and operated since 1986, the Carl Tyler Auto Group. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. I've got to go away. But baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been We're banned from listening to for life. You and me? No, like society. Oh, because it's uh it's controversial. Yeah. Well, Perhaps, but we're listening to it because it's snowing. That's old news, Coulter. Wow. That the, uh, <laughs> wow, that was loud. <laughs> Work in progress. At least the earth isn't shaking, huh, Tommy? This is true. I thought for sure I was throwing up. I did, too. I got car sick. I'm still kind of car sick. What a deal if you weren't with us yesterday. Here's an interesting thing. We were on the air. We're 90 seconds from being done with the show. We're talking about the books we're trying to read as we go through the the quarantine, and all of a sudden the earthquake hits, and it's the it's the rolling sort of earthquake thing where it all of a sudden feels like it's just you're on a boat, as opposed to the the really shake 'em up jackhammer style, and it was unmistakable. I mean the blinds were shaking. I'm in my chair. I thought somebody was messing with it. It was a very odd feeling. It was. Uh, I mean, I, I think I could say this. Like, it was fun for me to be on the radio talking about this earthquake in real time. But there's other people. My mother, bless her heart, was at the house listening to this show. And if somebody says in real time, I think we're having an earthquake, all of your senses go to earthquake perception mode. She right. said she still didn't feel anything. And I've ta- I'm about 40% yes on this thing, where we have several friends who are all like, whoa, that was bizarre. And I got a whole bunch of other people, no clue. My wife, nothing. Didn't feel a thing. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, our boss, she was walking nope, outside, yep. didn't feel it. Nothing. Yeah, no, it's uh, interesting. Well, there you go. It uh, it did happen, though. It, it's, uh, what do they say, 6.5 at the epicenter somewhere in Idaho that the uh, center of that thing was at. So, for what it's worth. Um, I am at least one of two people, the other being my oldest daughter, who am thrilled about the snow that's falling. It makes me very happy. It puts me in a festive You're mood. You're both nuts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. She is at home right now just staring out there, grinning, waiting for the hot chocolate to be on and maybe take a walk and catch some. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's October or April. She is thrilled about the snowstorm. How did the uh, third birthday party pan out? You know, uh, here's what I'd say. It was not a great birthday uh, party, objectively. Uh, and for a three-year-old, it was still perfect. He got four presents. Uh, all of them, I think he was excited about. 
He's got his new Paw Patrol shoes and a football from Grandma and Papa, so that was great. How do you feel about Paw Patrol? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm it's all right with me. Yeah? Yeah. Coulter? No comment. Okay. Well, that's cool, Ryan. That sounds great. So we had a cupcake. Some some friends dropped by on the porch. Some quarantine cupcakes. How about that? How about <laughs> that? Quarantine cupcakes. <laughs> and you know what? Some people got some magic, and we got some friends that, in when it comes to the world of baking, are are just next level. Like it's not possible for something to taste better than these cupcakes. So I I was very happy about that. So you know it was it was good. We had a little celebration, uh, and uh, you know. He's not totally, he's aware that he's now three. I don't think he totally comprehends it like this is his sort of special day. He's still viewing it as just a general holiday. Like everybody, it's every, it's today's birthday day, like it's Christmas and New Year's and birthday day. So uh, next year will be the year where he's clearly selfish and uh, 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 inconsiderate about this. It's all about him. So uh, it's a good year to have a third birthday, I guess. Um, okay. Stutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Coming up top of the hour, Bobby Houck, the head coach of the Montana Grizzly football team. Uh, he joined us. We did an interview with him. Uh, and so uh, stick around for that. It was a really fun conversation with Coach Houck. We appreciate him uh, joining us. We'll bring that to you at the top of the hour. At Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 102.9 ESPN, and at Skyline Sports MT as well, if you're looking for us on the social medias. Coulter, we were talking about players that we were excited to watch in spring that we will be excited to look at in the fall. Give me another one for you. Well, per our tight end conversation last year, or last year, <laughs> feels like it was last year. Did you, by the way, see the tweet from yesterday that said the Super Bowl was last month? Oh, my gosh. I mean, is that something else? What's happened since the, the Kansas City-San Francisco game? Okay, so just anyway, to put the time in perspective, lots has happened since that time. It hurts. All it right. hurts. It hurts. We were talking about tight ends, and I know Matt Renzel is a guy you wanted to talk about because I do think that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's good. Well, or if you got another one, go ahead. So I got another tight end. So I I think that Montana's going to, they're going to run in terms of their tight ends alone. It'd be interesting to see if if Bobby Howe continues to give Tim Rosenbaugh all this leeway in running this high powered, up tempo, spread oriented offense. It seems to me that he is. He would. Why wouldn't you? I mean, they've been one of the best offenses in the the league the last couple years. And so I think that they're going to recruit like a lot of the high-level spread teams have when it comes to tight ends. You'll have multiple types of tight ends. Look at Oregon or Baylor. Those are the two that really come to mind. You have the what I would call the traditional tight end, the inline tight end. You have the H tight end, who's like the H back who can move around, go in motion. He always plays staggered off the line. Yeah. Then you have the flex tight end, a guy that can put his hand in the dirt, but also split out in the slot, run post routes out of the slot, and open up the middle of the field like that. Matt Rensvold is a guy who is was the most athletic of the tight ends group last year before he hurt his knee against Oregon and then had to miss the rest of the year. Yeah. He's a tremendous athlete, and I think he has unbelievable upside. He came into last year weighing almost 250 pounds. If you remember right, he's one of the best basketball players in the state, so if he maintains his his athleticism and his hops, his explosiveness with that added weight, look out. But the other guy I got is Cole Grossman. Mm. Cole Grossman is a guy that people were incredibly high on coming out of Vancouver, Washington. Same high school as Ellis Henderson, and he's a guy that – 
could have probably and should have probably played in either the Pac-12 or the Mountain West. He had some issues with his grades. Montana took a risk and gray-shirted him. He's figured that stuff out. And now, but last spring, he played almost exclusively that red position. I don't know what happened then because he did not take the field during a game last year. Uh, on defense, at least. Maybe on special teams, but to my knowledge, he did not take the field as a defensive player, even though he was running with the ones for a good deal of spring ball defensively. But now he's back on offense, and he's a freak athlete. I mean, he is an outstand- He was an outstanding receiver in high school. He is big, long, and strong. He can run. He can jump. So he could be a real weapon out of the slot as that kind of that wing-slash-flex tight end for Montana this year. And I think him and Rensvold... Montana's tight end mix might have a different look because they still have Bryson Deming, who's going to be more of that traditional style blocking tight end. But with Joey Elwell, who is prototype for that H that I'm talking about, and then these two guys are going to play that flex split type, they could just be a little bit more of a finesse group, which actually when you pair them with guys like Smart Torrey, Sammy Kim, Mitch Roberts, Gabe Solser, now all of a sudden you have mismatches all over the field. Well, let me add one to that group. Uh, and that is Malik Flowers. No doubt. Malik Flowers was an, one of, certainly, the best kick returners, kick-off returners in the Bay Sky Conference. In maybe the country. In the country, no question. Um, but he did not play as a wide receiver. I mean, he wasn't even – Mitch Roberts was the the – you know, the number four wide out on the team last year. And, and even Garrett Graves got more balls than right. Malik Flowers. So we don't... Keelan White got more balls than Malik Flowers. You know, you just don't know what the what's going on there. If it's a, if it's a hands deal, if it's just something else, if you just want him to be such a specialist at this thing. Yeah, I don't I, think I, that's I don't it. So I mean, it, I think you could read between the lines. If you can't get on the field, it's because you either can't catch or you can't learn the plays or both. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the dude is, I mean, he's 6'2", 210, and he's the fastest guy on the team. He's he's quick. And so we'll, we'll, he's a guy who you would like to think in this offseason, you know, is first of all asking, hey, what, what do I got to do to not be the sixth or seventh wide receiver on this football team? He's got one pass in his career. And you've got to th- and, and you and you got to like clearly the 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 physical side of this is not what the issue is. No question, unless it's a pass catching thing. But but in terms of where he can get to on the field, he can beat everybody to the spot and and has. I mean, he took it to the house last year. So uh, that is that is a guy that I will be keeping my eye on and would be interested in. In fact, the next time that we're you know when football is actually rolling, he's a guy I'd like to ask about specifically to some of these coaches. You know, to say just what what, what is. What is it going to take? Will we see him as a wide receiver? So uh, he's one that that uh, has obviously explosive potential. I mean, big year for him coming into his junior year because you know it's okay if you're not in the rotation by this point. But now, if he's not, if he can't break it this year, then yeah. then all of a sudden you do big questions. But he's still a valuable asset to the team either way. For sure, a guy that is you know when you when you're around the program and you, you hear coaches talk and you know you talk to guys. And then you talk to, you know, boosters, quarterback club members and stuff. There's always a few guys that start to get hyped before that you ever get to really see them play. The most intriguing guy last year was a guy that no, really no one talked about because he didn't sign with Montana. He joined the team as a preferred walk-on in the summer. But he's a guy named Keelan White. He's from Canada. The it, I shouldn't say deal because that makes it sound like an NCAA violation. But the connection was 
somehow Dave Dickinson knew about this kid and knew this kid's family. And yeah. Dave Dickinson passed him on to Brent Pease. Brent Pease was Dickinson's quarterback coach way back in the day. So they still have a friendship, obviously. Back in the 1900s. <laughs> but I, I have heard, second, secondarily, because I actually haven't spoken to Brent Pease since he got back here because assistants are off limits for... For tackling, besides him screaming at me to get out of his drills, because <laughs> they do drills for 30 minutes after practice is over. So there's been a couple times where I'm interviewing Dalton Sneed or whatever. Hey, quarterback, get take the reporter, get the hell out of my drill. <laughs> besides that, not much interaction with Coach Pease, but I do think he's doing a hell of a job. But the one guy that he was talking to people around the program about, we know about Smart Tour, we know about Sammy Kim, we know about Mitch Roberts, we know about all the guys we know about. It's Keelan White, the kid from British Columbia. He's told people that he thinks this guy is the guy that has the best pro potential on the team hmm. uh, in his group. That's saying something because yeah, the guys that's in his group, he's only a freshman. He redshirted last year. He did play in a couple games. He caught a couple passes. Yep. But he, he was able to maintain that redshirt. Pease has coached offense at a higher level than any of these guys, including Tim Rosebaugh. Rosebaugh's doing a tremendous job, but Pease has been an offensive coordinator in the SEC. SEC yep. I mean, he's been an offensive coordinator in the Pac 12. He knows offensive football. If he's praising that kid, and he's also not one to stoke praise upon somebody unless they've earned it. So if he's praising a young guy like that, we'll see. I mean, as we already know, it's a crowded room, but Keelan White could add just another weapon to that that repertoire. No question. Sutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, coming up in 15 minutes. Bobby Houck, the head coach of the Montana Grizzly football team, going to join us. But next, we're going to talk a little bit about Wimbledon being canceled and the buildup of sports that are not happening that might happen all at once. Boys and girls, this could be the greatest October of all time. We'll tell you why right after this. Coulter, Boyle, Devney, and Meyer, they've been doing good things around this community in terms of taxes, but they're also, especially now when people need it, doing some very good things at donating time. Boyle, Devney, and Meyer is one of the most trusted names when it comes to not only your taxes, but also just managing your small business in terms of just all the paperwork that it takes, nonprofit, for-profit. They got your back. They can answer all sorts of questions when it comes to just the logistical side, the business side. And they've also been working with nonprofits and giving back to the community for more than 40 years, one of the most trusted names in tax and finance in Missoula. And they've been kind enough to donate their live reads for the next little while to the Missoula Food Bank. And Missoula Food Bank is committed to meeting our neighbors' needs during this time. They'll be open throughout the crisis. They now have extended hours. They'll distribute food Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., Wednesday and Friday from 8 a.m. till 1 p.m. They've transitioned to grab-and-go box model to reduce the time that people need to spend in the store so they don't have to worry about the social distancing. People could be in and out in literally 60 seconds from the Missoula Food Bank. They're working closely with Missoula County Public Schools and other partners to ensure that every child in this community has access to meals while school is out. And they're also buying more food than normal to meet the increased demand. Financial donations always welcome, but especially now, you can follow them on Facebook. That's probably the best way to keep up with their work. The Missoula Food Bank doing great things, especially during this time of uncertainty here in Missoula. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. 
not famous. Okay. Stu Tillinuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Very famous. Us, not him. Boys and girls, we are so very happy to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you're having an outstanding day. It is pleasant to be on your radio, so we appreciate you letting us be there with you. October is right around the corner. (laughs) And it could be epic. Now, look, we're going to float some things out there. We understand that uh, this is not going to happen in the way that we probably outline it here. But when you're talking about scenarios, instead of falling down the rabbit hole into Coulter's post-apocalyptic dystopia, we're going to get ourselves into some hope and some optimism about what could happen. And what I'm saying is this. Wimbledon's been canceled, okay? It's been canceled. It is not happening. For the first time in how long? Since World War II. Okay. The majors of golf, though, have not been canceled. They have been postponed, okay? And you should postpone. Like, is there one place? I don't know where the U.S. Open is. Sometimes when it's at, like, Beth Beth Page in New York, I'm sure there's months uh, of the year where it's not a good option to be playing it there. I'm not saying that's where it is. I don't even know where it is this year or was supposed to have been. But is there a day of the year that you can't play at Augusta? You know, no, right? It's always on in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, The British Open is always on the Open Championship because we all know it's going to stick no matter when you go play there. Okay, so yeah, you just walk up there, you hit in the hay, and off you go. So here's what I'm thinking, Coulter. Baseball has been delayed. The NBA has been delayed. The NHL, hiatus. NFL still rolling on as usual, but they're, of course, out of season. College football the same. I don't know how long this thing's going to last, but October is the one month, it's the only month for about two weeks, where all four major professional sports in uh, the United States are all having regular season and or postseason at the same moment. They're all in season with meaningful games, not preseason stuff and all that kind of thing. What would happen if, say, in July, we get this thing rolling again? Mm-hmm. They fin- they do like a truncated 10 more regular season games, NHL, NBA, and go right into a full playoff. And we have a World Series, an NHL Finals, uh, uh, an NBA, or an NHL Finals, excuse me, saying like a final, NBA Finals. Get What's I- the difference? Why is one plural and the other one's not? You know, I don't know why. I just know that it's because the the NBA is taking the series game by game. So my understanding is the finals are plural because it's it's the the the, the, the games individually, whereas the Stanley Cup final is taken as just a cohesive singularity. That's the only explanation I've got. Okay, but it, that is what. It how is. many people? How many players in the NHL know what a cohesive singularity is? Most of them. They're a brilliant group. <laughs> um, drop out of high school to play hockey when you're 15. They're not dropping out. They're doing it remotely. They're yeah, that's right. They're playing experience. juniors, getting great yeah, life yeah, experience. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. And then imagine it. What if you get two majors? Right. Here's what I don't don't even play another PGA event. Let's go four majors in four weeks. Just bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
I understand it ain't going to happen, but what, what? I mean, you're talking about four of the five, you know, if you include golf in there, having the events of events all happening concurrently, and then the NFL in it, you know, in its second stanza of the year in the weeks five through eight or whatever. Oh, brilliant. Maybe even in September, do the whole thing. I'm telling you, let's go. It would be awesome. I think the TV networks would force the sports to stagger it a little bit. Because I really just don't think you want to be competing for ratings with a World Series game and a NBA Finals game on the same night. Well, at this point, I think you do. Let's just run them up there. Here's the irony: uh, is anybody and nobody's actually, allowed to leave their house now, and nobody will leave their house if this takes place. Right? I mean, who's actually suffering from TV ratings right now? Isn't everybody only watching the TV, no matter what's on? I don't know. I, I think. I mean, I think that maybe you don't have like the Super Bowl like draw of a singular channel or whatever. Sure, but. Everybody's screen time, other than yours, is up in America, whether that's the streaming services, whether that's actual television. I mean, radio's up, podcasts up, everything's up. Yeah, right, no doubt. Um, I mean, it would be a a ton of fun. It would be a sports fan's dream. I think that here's the irony of it, right? I think the NFL is all about money. That's not ironic. You do? That's not ironic. That's just a fact. What? That's crazy. So they're going to figure out how to how to play no matter what, unless it's like truly federally mandated they cannot play. Period in any form or fashion, they're going to figure out a way well, to play. I mean, which is a very it's possible, real possibility. Certainly, sure. baseball's already stopped, so we'll see if they suspend or delay or, or restart their season with an abbreviated version of it or whatever. The NBA, though, the number one thing it's become about is player care, player rights. The players control the league. And the biggest storylines in the league are players sitting out of games when fans go to pay to see t- to pay pay for tickets to go see them, and you know LeBron's extended breaks and all these things are such huge storylines. I've just heard so many so much scuttle from all the guys that cover the league, whether it's on the Athletic or on national ESPN Radio or on Ryan Rosillo's podcast. The number one thing that the players are digging their heels in on is they don't want to play the rest of this season if it's going to impede on the time of rest that they get then heading into the next season. So the only way that they're going to finish this season late is if the next season then starts late. That's right. And then how long does this last? You'll either have to sacrifice and play one shorter season or you're going to just have to roll back the start date and shorter the seasons in general period because if these guys need and want and demand to have three months off no matter what, then say you do play the NBA Finals in October. You're not starting again until February. Then, first of all, there's there's there is no way that it that it happens in October. I could see it happening in September, though. Right. I could see it happening in September, and yes, you would have to delay the start of the season, and you would play. I think a second shortened season. How much shortened it would be would be up in the air. I expect. You know what I. You know what I expect to happen. That the regular season is done, and that where we are right now, this is the this is the the playoffs. Like the the playoffs have been set. This is my my best guess for the NBA and the NHL. Frankly, is that where we are right now is what it's going to be. And when play resumes, we will be heading straight into a a playoffs. The only thing I don't know is if the playoffs is going to be full length. I mean, they might just take the top eight teams and the t- instead of the top sixteen and go. We are now in the second round of the playoffs because they do have to get it wrapped up in order to get the offseason they need. Now, that said, there is some time being taken off right now. 
So, right. I mean, you're you're getting the rec- I don't think the three months between the end of the regular season and the start of the next year is is necessary in that way at this point. Well, what do we know more than anything about the NBA? There's one guy that makes the decisions. LeBron James. Yeah. If LeBron James wants to do it, they'll do it. And if he doesn't, we'll see. Well, here's what I think. LeBron James, for sure, wants the playoffs. Uh, and so whether when and how that comes about uh, is anybody's guess. But I think we will get that at some point and in some place. And maybe, maybe if we're really lucky, it'll happen in Billings, Montana. Coulter, huh? No doubt. I mean, that, that would be incredible. <laughs> if I could see LeBron James in Billings, Montana, I'd probably pay 500 bucks for that. Well, I would think so. You might be the only one in the barn to watch him. Let's go. Okay, let's get the credentials. Essential media. Essential media. Boys and girls, two telling the one is hour number one in the books. Hour two straight ahead. It's Wednesday. It's our ESPN roundtable. Bobby Houck, the head coach of the Montana Grizzly football team, good enough to join us. You'll hear our conversation with Coach Houck right after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 